This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. My name is Seth, Jim psychic and producer here on America's most positive podcast. A lot going on in this episode. You're going to like it, but always let's find out what's going on. Jim, what's on your mind? What's on my mind? That's a great question. There's a lot on my mind, but you know, one word just keeps uh, uh, bouncing around my brain like a pinball in a pinball machine, and that word is reinvention reinvention. I've had a lot of clients, I've had a lot of friends uh, come to me and say, I don't like the way life's going. Um, One, going through a divorce, and he believes he's got a clean slate. Uh, Whatever his faults were in the divorce, uh, he would like to clean those up and not have history repeat itself. Um, It's been a traumatic experience. Uh, going through a divorce, that's not a pleasant experience for anyone that's uh, done it or even contemplating it. Um, and so now he's ready for a reinvention. Um, I have another person that's looking to change careers 100%. I mean, go from one extreme to another. That's reinvention. And and I've gone through reinvention myself, and I think a lot of us uh, – uh, you know, that's listening right now, you've gone through reinvention. You know, reinvention occurs sometimes after a serious illness, uh, cancer, uh, you've recovered and you wake up and you go, you know, I'm going to reinvent my wellness. I'm going to start eating better, taking better care. I'm going to get it, you know, join a gym. I'm reinventing my body. I don't like it. Uh, this was a scare. It's a wake up call. And that's a great time for reinvention. Uh, it could have been sooner, but, uh, well, it could have been too late. So reinvention uh, occurs not just because you wake up and have a whim. Uh, it, there's usually some kind of trauma, some kind of stress from the outside, not just the inside, that caused you to make a change. I want to reinvent where I live. Uh, my entire home style of living. Uh, I'm going to go to the Southwest. I'm going to live in a tree in Oregon. You know, <laughs> you know what, what, what? There's no, there's no rules on on reinvention. And sometimes it's to make more money. Sometimes it's just to find peace, simplicity, and and clarity. Which probably the latter is the better way to go about reinvention. But we're all evolving, Seth. And 
it, it, the mindset is I'm getting better every day. I'm improving every day. I'm thinking more positive every day. This show's about reinvention in general. Um, listening right now, are you the most positive that you can be? Are you an extreme positive thinker? And has negativity in your life put you in a place that you don't like? And that happens to all of us. And can I, can I throw in one more observation just that I've seen you do in this, this last year? When you come into a new season, like you could have, you could have stayed uh, you know, coaching some of the most successful people in the world, not put it in a book format, not put uh, this into a podcast format. And yet you, you've really stepped out of the last year more into, uh, you know, dealing with the public. You've coached an entire city this year, which I actually, I think that is the second time you've coached a city, but still that's a lot on your plate. So I would say that I've even observed some reinvention in you just over the last year, because, you know, reinvention can also happen when something really good happens. Uh, the first time of reinvention for me was going from a tennis player to a tennis coach. That was reinventing my myself to now be an authority figure as opposed to someone that's just taking care of myself and no one else. You know, ten yeah. tennis, very selfish activity. It's me, myself, and I, uh, you know, against the opposition. All of a sudden, you coach someone. I, I'm taking on new responsibilities. I'm going to be held accountable. You know, if things aren't going well, fire the coach, you know, <laughs> that's the first thing we do. Get rid of the coach. That was reinvention. The second reinvention was uh, in doing parent seminars uh, early in my career. Uh, hey, does this work for insurance? Does this work for sales? Does this work uh, for coaching in a multinational corporation? And uh, yes, and that's reinvention. Um of taking the score system, not just for tennis and tennis players, but now taking it to 10 sports and uh, all the businesses that I've coached. You know, that that is reinvention. The one thing that's been consistent in my life on a business scale, though, is the score success system. That's been the driver, the engine the whole time. But I have reinvented how the score system uh, is uh, utilized in different industries and different sports and and obviously in, in, in different ways. But, you know, this shows about a 180 reinvention uh, of how you can wake up and say, this is the life I want. I want a life of giving, not always taking. And what is that all about? Well, that I, I woke up one morning and realized I need to give more. And I just had that calling of giving. And so I dedicated one year of my life of traveling around the world doing huge uh, presentations but you know I'm in the jungle of Thailand and I'm in some you know pretty uh, uh, pretty third world uh, <laughs> adverse situations for other people and I'm there to provide some hope and and, and some tools to help them uh, reinvent themselves out of their situation that was a reinvention for me uh, total giving I, I didn't get uh, paid uh, it was volunteered. I got audited that year, which is like, seriously? <laughs> okay, I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, seriously? I mean, I had passive <laughs> income. You know, I had investment income, but really, you're going to audit me? So, uh, you know, I, I believe if you live a full life into your 80s, 90s, you, you crack the century mark, there's no doubt you've probably reinvented yourself many times. And sometimes we reinvent 
just to keep up with what's going on in society. I had uh, a friend of mine want to reinvent himself on how he operates with technology, not only for himself personally, but also in his business. And he struggled. He had this mindset that I'm not very good in technology and I don't get it. And, you know, how do I do this? And so he had apprehension about even getting on the computer. You know, he was one of the last holdovers of never, you know, I'm not going to be bound by technology. Now he has reinvented his business and himself uh, to be a techno, uh, not a technophobe, but you know, a, a technocrat. Somewhat. He's comfortable, yeah. Yeah, he's very comfortable, and he's utilizing it to, to make his life better and it, and the people that uh, get his business and services make their life better through technology. So reinvention is, um, you know, it's something I think we'll all go through. Uh, hopefully uh, you wake up and want to change, not because you've had trauma or disease or illness or a loss of a loved one or a forced change where how about the people in Puerto Rico uh, you know I spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico I coached Baya International it's a Honda distributor down there coached an insurance company a bank I uh, spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico I love the Puerto Rican uh, uh, the Puerto Rican people are just amazing they have so much passion I coached so many Puerto Rican baseball players and so many Puerto Rican athletes I look at Puerto Rico right now and think how many people on the island that are left still reeling from this strategy months and months ago need to reinvent themselves totally. And for some people, reinvention, especially if you're poor, you've suffered a loss of home, maybe family members, you have no option but to reinvent. Uh, But it's still tough to do. And there's no tools. And how do I do that? Uh, if your job is wiped out, your home is wiped out, uh, your assets are wiped out, what's reinvention now? Uh, there are some things that you need to do in reinventing yourself. And the first thing you need to do is have a vision that pulls you through any adversity. And, and that vision has to wake you up in the morning and, and tuck you in bed at night that vision of how you're going to be and how you're going to adapt, how you're going to adjust, and and how you're still going to adhere to your own personal principles. So reinvention, yeah, that's on my mind. I'm I'm going back to Ashland, Kentucky. I'm seeing poverty. I'm seeing opioid uh, use that's shut down restaurants with hepatitis A. What's up with that? I mean, seriously? Yeah. Reinvention is in order of an entire geographic location, uh, no different really than what's going on in Puerto Rico. So, Seth, reinvention's on my mind. We have a special guest today. Uh, this uh, we have a former client, uh, Casper Wells, Detroit Tigers, played for the White Sox, uh, played for a few other clubs, uh, had a trauma situation. Put all these happy eggs into one baseball bucket. Uh, has a serious physical challenge, not to his doing. I, I think almost a tragedy. And you wake up and you've done something all of your life. And everything has been put into that basket. And then all of a sudden you wake up and go, I can't do this anymore? What? Yeah. I, I need to change? 
I mean, so many athletes that I've coached, their careers are cut short by an injury or just age. You know, I'm, I'm 38, and I can't play baseball like I did when I was 18. And all of a sudden, uh, that's a total reinvention and reinvention with your family because I'm spending more time with them now. And I'm reintroducing myself to the people I love, but I'm seeing them 24-7 before I'd be gone most of the time during a six-month six month period. So, you know, reinvention, I believe, is happening. Uh, I think maybe our country is going through reinvention right now. Um, so reinvention is a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. You want to do it on your terms, on your conditions, on your circumstances. But if you'd like something better, you'd like to change careers, you'd like to start a new business, you'd like to write that novel that's the outline sitting on the shelf and been there for 20 years, gathering a little bit of dust. But if you're looking to really make a change in your life, this show really is for you. And uh, we'll get a little insight with our, our guest coming up, Casper Wells, former Major League Baseball player, promising career. And all of a sudden, it's cut short and reinvention. I was right there with him every step of the way. And uh, I know that it sounds easier than it is. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a change. Yeah. Can, can I throw one question at you right before we, uh, we get into the guest here? Um, you know, and he's going to unpack his story in a very different level, but I can relate to what happened to him because, you know, I, I went into college basketball with very high hopes. Uh, and then I uh, blew out my knee in the fall. I came back in the spring and I tore my rotator cuff within weeks. I mean, so injury, rehab, injury, okay, we're probably there, right? Had that not happened, I wouldn't be here. Uh, you know, I mean, 15 years ago, that set off a chain of reactions. In every area of my life, I don't think I'd be at if it weren't for what happened. But in that moment, you talk about, you know, really starving down the victim and the judge. Um, can you talk about when you've coached people that are really in the thick of it, how you do that? Because that's... I think sometimes easier said than done, and that's, well, I, that's the key element, right? Well, I think that's a great, uh, a great stepping stone right into our guest, Seth. Um, you're driving a car on the road of life, and in that car are three people all inside you. You've got a victim, and when the victim comes out, it's, there's something on the road. And I'm late, and I, I got to be there on time. And all of a sudden, there's a big tree that's fallen on the road. And the victim is like, can you believe this? I can't believe there's a tree here. This is ridiculous. And, and so I'm a victim of this circumstance. And I start acting like, and I start bitching, moaning, complaining. I'm so upset. I don't really see me being on time. I see me late. I see a chain reaction and negativity. I'm a victim of what just happened to me. Or maybe the judge in you takes on the, the steering wheel. Who put this here? Who put this tree here? And where's the highway cleanup crew? Where are these people? And why are they going around that way? Why, why isn't there a detour? And so you start judging anybody and everyone except yourself. And then... Then there's the champion in you, and the champion will lay dormant. It'll be silent if the victim and the judge take control of the steering wheel, driving your car on this road of life, and um, you need to put those two in the back seat, and you're probably better off 
tell them to get out of the car and go hitch a ride with someone else. Uh, We need to starve the victim. We need to starve the judge. And we need to feed the champion. Because the champion looks at that tree and said, wow, this is interesting. I can go around it. I can go over it. And maybe I can come back and uh, chop it up and have firewood. You know, maybe there's a silver lining here for me. But I'm okay. It didn't fall when I got here uh, and, and caused an accident. And I'll, I'll be on time. And so the champion sees solutions. The champion sees beyond. And it really, the champion can even tap into intuition to see around corners and, and to see what's going to unfold before it actually unfolds. And I think the reinventor, you, the champion must prevail because if the judge and the victim have anything to do with the reinvention, you're going to be reinventing yourself back in a similar situation. Uh, maybe the conditions have changed. Maybe the, the, the landscapes changed. But some of the old paradigms that you had of being negative and uh, putting people down and blaming other people and feeling sorry for yourself, you know, a little pity party, it's still going to prevail. So reinvention is starving the victim, starving the judge. You just don't give them any oxygen. You don't give them any thought whatsoever. Get out of my car. Get out. And then you feed the champion with positive self-belief, with positive affirmations. And you keep seeing the vision of being on time and, and being successful and having a life of simplicity, balance, and abundance, and see yourself in a win-win scenario where you win uh, uh, the prospect in a sales situation. They win. It's win-win. Your family wins. Your kids win. Um, That's a different mindset, but I I think if we're going to get into reinvention, uh, well, uh, might as well do it the best of your ability. And you got to start there. You got to start there. You really do need to start right there. That's where you have that internal confrontation if you want to facilitate serious, serious change and everlasting change. You got to start thinking more like a champion. Uh, you only go into the past for swift analysis and learning. That's definitely something the reinventor needs to do uh, is assess your situation, your condition, your circumstance, and what do I know? What have I learned? And what can I take forward? You know, you want to adhere to the good things, adhere to the principles, adhere to that positive characteristic or or multiple characteristics that you have. Some things don't need to change. Uh, You're only reinventing uh, the things around you, your situation, your condition. You're maybe completely changing it totally. I'm moving to Sedona. I'm doing this. And... um, I'm starting a new chapter, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm closing this chapter. I'm going to extract what I've learned, and I'm moving on, and I'm moving on now. The other thing that reinventors definitely need to do, you need to have a timeline. You've got some stress that even put reinvention in your mind. Something stressed you. And let's make it U-stress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, good stress. And let's change for the right reasons. Let's change for positive reasons. And let's change so that everybody wins. It's not just selfishly reinvent me. Um, 
because I love me, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so uh, I, I, I've seen that. And uh, again, uh, when that happens and you still have the same old paradigms, uh, you'll be back doing the same old thing. Uh, it's, you're just doing it in a different city and a different job. And um, so if you do have something going on in your life that's caused you to just put on the brakes and uh, pull out a map and go, I, I got to go in a different place here, um, do it with self-discipline, do it with focus, do it with extreme optimism, and, and do it calm and cool. Don't rush the reinvention. Don't, you don't need to do that. And, um, and do it with loving what you do and doing what you love. And um, if you've got to change a major league baseball career, obviously you love that. But you could reinvent yourself like I did and become a coach. Yeah, I, I went from a player. I'm a coach. And, and so um, reinvention, uh, this is a show we probably should do three or four times a year because I think reinvention uh, knocks on all of our doors. And um, I think if you, know, you get into your helicopter, get up above your life and look upon it with, uh, with a little emotion, you'll know what you need to do. You'll know if you need to make the changes. And if you're going through a divorce right now, what did you not bring to the marriage? What did you do that you would not like to do? So maybe you need to reinvent how you interacted with someone you cared about. You know, were you selfish? Uh, what was your hidden agenda? that finally popped up into the marriage. So, uh, and, and if you're, you're in ill health, what got you in this position? Was it negative thinking? Was it poor choices? Uh, was it your diet, your nutrition, or, or your lack of um, working out and taking care of yourself? Um, reinvention is a great time. It's the renaissance. I love the word renaissance, rebirth. It's the rebirth of your most favorite person, you. And th that's a fantastic setup for this interview because I'm just thinking about, you know, we have new listeners coming in all the time and you can probably put yourself into one of three pockets, right? 2018 is fantastic and maybe you're reinventing some things because it's a great year, new opportunities. Hey, there's an area I need to work on or you talked about your friend that's going through the divorce and, you know, I know you've coached people that are like, well, I used to be an all-star and now I can't do it. I used to be a successful executive and I can't do it. And all I know is that I better get a coach. Uh, and so you've seen this a lot. And if that's where you're at right now of like, I feel like I got the wind knocked out of me, like on the playground where you get knocked down, you can get back up. You can. Well, I, you know, clients come to me for multiple reasons, but some come to me as an insurance policy where they want to maybe reinvent part of themselves so that once they, their talent is realized, they can stay there. They might not be built for longevity. They may yeah. build, be built for, uh, I'm going to be number one in the world, and but staying number one in the world over multiple years, that's a different paradigm. And, and so I've had a lot of athletes come to me that want to ensure their success. Of course, the first thing I ask them and, and literally tell them, you are more than a tennis player. You're more than a baseball player. You're more than a professional athlete. And... I caution everyone listening, putting all your happy eggs in one basket. Uh, that's not a very wise investment. We're so much more than 
than what we do for a living. And, uh, you know, we get accolades for whatever we do in business. You may be the number one sales person on your team, and, and that's where you get all the positive feedback, and that's where you make all the cash. But you're so much more than that. And part of reinvention is reinventing all aspects of your life and making sure that you do have simplicity, you do have balance. Now, I'd be remiss in talking about reinvention without mentioning the zone. You know, that's a mindset that definitely takes over your physical being as well. So it is a mind-body fusion of extreme positivity. But if you want to have a zone life, a purposeful, calm life with positive intentions, uh, with a lot of relaxation, a lot of enjoyment, uh, if that's what you want, you can reinvent your entire mindset on how you perceive things. And that's a good place to start is to change how you think. And changing how you think will definitely uh, uh, get you out of being a victim and a judge and put you on a path of being a champion. Let's go ahead and put some uh, some legs to this thing. Uh, let's go ahead and you ready to, to dial up our guests here? Yeah, let's talk. I, I can't wait to talk to Casper Wells. What an awesome human. Casper Wells, welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. Casper, how are you? Oh, I'm just zoning. I'm doing great. <laughs> Sunny day out here. I'm just walking around outside. I like to make these interviews outside, you know, just to walk around a little bit, get some fresh air. Well, let's talk about the zone. You know, Casper, I met you. You were a professional baseball player, uh, a damn good professional baseball player. You had a rocket arm, that's for sure. Great defender. A uh, great hitter, uh, a great mindset, and your career was pointed straight up. And um, we had a lot of visions, and we had a lot of goals, and you definitely understood the score system and understanding being in the zone. And then, Casper, something happened beyond your control, and I remember this as if it was yesterday, and I, I don't need to bring this up, but... It definitely careened you into reinvention, and it forced you into uh, changing careers. Uh, you didn't want to change careers, but you went to uh, do a Lasix test, and it's been done thousands of times. A lot of professional athletes have had it, and obviously to hit a 97-mile-an-hour fastball and then pick up a change up right behind it that looks the same you need more than 2020 vision and you had more than 2020 vision after that surgery of lasix uh something happened uh you really struggled to pick up a baseball out of a pitcher's hand how tough was that and you didn't really know that it it was the surgery I think the first instinct, you believed it was you. And just tell me about that period of your life. Yeah, so I made the decision to get LASIK. I was just having some trouble with just contact lenses in general. And everything I've always been told is that LASIK surgery helps and it can actually enhance your vision and everyone has had it. And, you know, I've spoken so highly about it that it was just something that I felt like I wanted to get done to, to increase and enhance my performance and maybe, you know, separate me to a higher level. 
Um, so I got it done initially and it's, and it's great at the only the thing at first is you get a little sensitive to light. Uh, we got a lot of day games and you don't really, I didn't really begin to notice any of the, uh, changes until we had a, had our initial night game. You know, we're taking BP during the day, playing some day games, fine, hitting the ball fine. Like I normally have. And, Everything feels great with this new vision. I don't have to worry about putting contacts in. And then we had a night game. I'm in a night game and kind of just warming up and things seem a little blurry. And it didn't really hit me until I was out in the outfield. And I'm looking in the stands and looking to the right. And I can't read people's names that have jerseys. You know, I'm in the Seattle Mariners at the time. So people have jerseys, like Griffey jerseys and some other jerseys, some of the other guys on the team. And I can't, can't even read the name on the back. I can't even read the name of the infielders' uh, numbers. Uh, that are on the back. And so I was like, and that's when it hit me and I was like, uh, Oh, uh, something's not right here. I shouldn't, I should be able to still be seeing, uh, pretty well, even at night after my LASIK surgery. So I went and got checked out and actually I got corrected. I wasn't overcorrected enough. Um, and my vision was 2030. So you can imagine trying to hit a baseball with 2030 vision. That's not going to that's not going to cut it. So. Well, it, it's tough enough with 2010 vision, <laughs> yeah, much less 2030 vision. I, that makes it near impossible, especially facing uh, a pitcher that has disguise where a fastball and a changeup coming out of the hand looks exactly the same. So that that's a split-second uh, decision, and without great eyesight, you're not going to make that adjustment. So – you go back and and have a correction again, I believe. Am I accurate there, uh, Casper? Yeah, so you have to wait a year to get it overcorrected. So in the meantime, I was led with having to wear contacts over my, you know, surgically repaired uh, eyes, which is it's kind of a no-no, but I, I had no choice. I mean, I'm playing in the, the highest level in baseball, uh, and I have to, and basically every day, and, and you – I mean, I talk to you every day about the, about the struggles, just to, just to mentally go out there and be like, you know, I, I'm just, I can't do it. I can't see. And that's, you just have me visualize seeing and it got me through, um, just believing I can and, and having those visualizations of being able to see, even though you can't see, being able to see through, uh, the tough times of having, having to have, cause basically your eyes are so dried out when you have the contacts in that, um, it's just, it's almost near impossible to try and pick up a baseball, but that's something that I was still able to do, do at a, at a, at a reasonably high level, given the, given the circumstances. But eventually after a year, um, I had to get it redone. Uh, I had to get it, uh, enhanced is what it's called. I think, uh, and I had to get it back down to 2015. I think it's at 2015 right now. But at, at that point in your career, and that, that was a crucial time in, in your career, um, at what point during that time did you think about, you know, maybe I need to reinvent myself here? Uh, it, it's a tough thing to quit something that you passionately have given so much to, and that's baseball, and that was your love. And that that's something you just love to do and you, you did as a kid. And to be forced to give that up, what was that realization? That I have no option here. 
Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, it, it was almost like I was a dead man walking around. I'm, I was bouncing around from team to team. I think I was on five teams. You know, after spring training, that was a tough year for me, just from a career standpoint, let alone the uh, the LASIK troubles. Um, but I bounced around. You know, I didn't make up this, make the squad out of camp with the Mariners, and then I wasn't picked up by a team till ten days later. Didn't play there, and I didn't. I didn't get a chance to have my first at bat till a month out after spring training. So you can imagine what that's like just from a career baseball perspective, going through all spring training, trying to get your timing down and then just not even getting it at bat for a month out after spring training. So plus you, behind the eight ball the whole time. Plus, plus you, you know, you, you, you had a rocket arm. That's definite. You even thought about reinventing yourself and becoming a pitcher. And you hadn't thought about that uh, since uh, high school. <laughs> pitching uh and you actually did you 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 thought about it and was really putting a plan together like okay i i can't see well enough to hit a fastball or or to make out a change up but i still have a rocket arm i'm going to become a pitcher and then at that point casper uh i i think you really made a career decision i'm going to go on a different path Tell me about that change where you literally closed the door on something that you loved and went in another direction. And one of the things I have so much respect for you, uh, and, and I remember the day, actually, you telling me, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go finish college. I remember that day. And um, what was that like? This is total reinvention of yourself. Yeah, so I trained all season at Athletes Performance, which is now uh, currently Exos. Got a lot of uh, NFL combine guys that train there, but there's a lot of Major League Baseball players and just professional athletes in general that train there. I like that. I took a um, investment in myself and trying to train at the, one of the most elite places in the world uh, to try and give myself every advantage possible. Um, trained one off season and then I had no teams that were biting at me uh, probably just because of the bed down numbers from, from not having the production I normally have. Um, so I gave Al Avila a call with the Tigers and kind of pretty much begged him to, to let me come down there and compete for us for a spot he said casper you know pretty much got triple a set and but you can come down here and compete and people were just blown away with just uh, my camaraderie the teammates and helping out some of the younger guys and just uh everything i could do to try and compete and i ended up being in double a with uh with lance Parrish as a coach and um and i uh ended up getting released after a month after the season so not too much opportunity and at that point i kind of kind of realized I need to do something else. You know, you're not going to get too much opportunity um, after double A, you know, after playing in the big leagues and going down double A and getting released after a month of the season, I could see my, my, my window of opportunity was pretty much shut. So um, I just want to, in, in my mindset, I just got to keep moving, you know, uh, just like the good Lord said, God, God helps those who, who kind of keep moving and, and stay in a positive direction. So I just keep moving forward and, I knew that I, I wanted to get uh, my degree, uh, and I know uh, the Tigers, when they drafted me, had a had a scholarship plan in place, so I decided to go back to school. Um, and I was actually going to head back home and try and try and pitch, like we talked to, like we talked about earlier, reinvent myself as a pitcher. 
Um, on my way home, I uh, found out that my parents' house had got struck by lightning. Um, my, my hometown, my home house uh, in my hometown of Schenectady, New York, where I grew up, was hit by lightning, and the house was caught on fire and engulfed in flames. Um, the ironic part is that all of my memorabilia and all my baseball gear and everything was in the attic that ended up being engulfed in flames. So basically, um, everyone was safe. That's first and foremost. That's memorabilia doesn't matter when their whole family's safe. But all my stuff got burnt up and took that as a sign to kind of get back home and be with my family that summer. And after that, I was like, you know, I'll go back to school and finish up my education. Um, so I went to Towson University to finish that up and got my degree three semesters later, uh, bachelor's of science in uh, electronic media and film. Well, and now you've gone through this reinvention process. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, uh, giving up something that you've put happy eggs into uh, uh, all your life. Uh, how many athletes out there right now at the very end of their career who don't have a plan uh, of reinvention, uh, you've decided to um, go into a business of helping those athletes make that transition. And um, when did you have that realization that this is a, uh, a new career for me? Well, a buddy of mine that I befriended in my apartment complex uh, worked for a recruiting agency. Um, worked there for a while, and now it does it does placements for uh, for another company. And I was just talking to him about we just talked about my career. He's a big baseball guy, uh, so we just got chatting, and and I just said, you know, it's just it, just being in that that realm of of what's next and the unknown and, and seeking others who are in a, in a field for advice. You know, it's tough because the skill set that you develop with playing the game of baseball doesn't translate into, you know, the real world business setting. It's like, yeah, you know, you wish it'd be a lot easier where it's like, oh, yeah, you're done playing here. Come work here. Come work here. You know, you're very limited. And and I think it's just because there's not someone there to, to kind of help players out and, and kind of give them the guidance they need. Um, not every player is fortunate enough to go into their, you know, family business or have someone that can give them a job right after they're done playing. Some players are, most of them are not. And, you know, a lot and of that's times. A, and and Casper, that's every sport. We're not talking baseball. That's basketball, football. Uh, it's every professional sport. At some point, the legs give out, the eyes give out, the shoulder gives out. At some point, that professional athlete, that window of being a top pro that window is closing, and when it closes, it doesn't reopen. Life, you know, life has got to move on. But your body says, "I'm done, I'm done." Um, so now, Casper, tell me a little bit about your new business, what you're, what you're doing, and uh, this is something that's so needed. You know, most people listening right now think, "Oh, pro athlete's got a lot of money," you know. He's got fame, and and he, he'll have a million opportunities. And some have money, and some don't. I I, I know a, a an NFL halfback has a three point five year uh, career. You make your money in three years, so you you know you make 
couple of, a couple of mil or you make a mil, but now you have no income. And that can go quickly. And if you went out and bought a house and bought some cars and, and maybe made some poor choices, you've got no income coming in. That's pretty scary. And um, I, I think it's admirable that you're there not just to hold an athlete's hand, but to say, let me point the way. Let me help you uh, make this serious transition. And, and talking to uh, athletes that are going through some of the things you went through, what, what's the feedback? What kind of feedback are you getting? Uh, well, basically this whole thing came about. Um, my business partner, who's, whose name's Hunter Schwartz, um, as I was saying earlier, we just talked, and I was just telling him how a lot of former players I played with are kind of, you know, asking me what I'm doing. You know, they're going back to school. Maybe, maybe I gave them a little, uh, a little guidance and going to finish their education. And now that, and then they end up being in the same situation. Once you get done with your education, it's not like, Oh, here are all the jobs that you could have. It's kind of like, all right, now what? It's always a now what kind of thing. Um, and yeah, again, people have the perception that, you know, money keeps flowing in. Oh, you play baseball, you're set for life. But you know, at the time you may think that the money that you're making you know, however, it's, it's amazing money and it's a lot of money to get. You're a young, a young adult, a young guy getting paid this money. So you're naive to think that it's going to keep coming in. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep getting paid this amount of money and I'll be set and live on a mansion and all this. But then when reality sets in and something happens, you know, you got to adapt, adjust and, and, and make an adjustment to, you know, how you're going to move forward. So um, when I talked with, with Hunter uh, about all this, he was like, he was like, you know, I, why can't you just, why don't we help place people with jobs, help be a consulting firm. Um, we started a company called Major League Consulting. Uh, and we're, it's basically just going to be helping former athletes, uh, former professional athletes. And I'm going to stem from the baseball because that's what I'm familiar with. I mean, it could extend in other sports, but we're going to start with baseball, helping them just be educated in the job market, help them build their resume. Help put them in a position to succeed for life beyond uh, professional sports. And I and, and I, uh, I have a so I have a surprise for yeah. you. I, I I'm not going to reveal it uh, <laughs> completely on air, but I do have a surprise. Yeah. I have a company, uh, a major company, uh, that is very interested in what you're doing, and they're going to be able to showcase some opportunities for these athletes to get into the financial services business. So when we're off the air, I'm going to bring that uh, that to you. I'm going to make that introduction. Uh, you'll have that in your back pocket. That's obviously not for everybody, but for some it will be something very positive. And uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities that you can bring to people that are down and out. I, I you know, I'm sure, Casper, when you watch baseball on television, you there is some nostalgia that keeps coming back. And and how tough was it for you to combat those three imposters that are in every locker room? Shoulda, coulda, and woulda. You and I have talked about those. Does that still creep up, or have you closed the door and you've totally moved on with a new vision and you're getting getting into the zone with this new company. Is there a little nostalgia? Shoulda, coulda, woulda, or have you completely erased that? 
I think in order to be as successful as you can, you have to try to block anything of the past and move forward and just look forward at the ultimate goal, what you're doing and, and realize that. But in fairness to your question, yes, I am human. Things come up. They should I, should I have gotten LASIK? What if I didn't? I watch baseball. I see guys that I played with and like, man, they had success. I mean, let's, you know, uh, however, let's just say, for example, like JD Martinez, right? Um, he, we both played in Venezuela together. So at one time we were both trying to, you know, work on some things while we were down in Caracas playing for the Caracas team. Um, I was, I was coaching both of you, both of you at that time. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he became a student of the game and got locked in. I think what held me back, honestly, was just some of the the confidence with, with my LASIK surgery. So, if anything, it's just, you know, if I haven't done that, who knows where I would be. But I always look at my fiancé um, now, and if I never have gone on that path, I might have never met my fiancé who lives in the Baltimore area where I went to school at Towson. I mean, who knows if I would have went back to school if I kept playing ball and, and if, if I would have met her. So uh, I can't you know, wait to meet her. Well, you, yeah. you, told, you told me all about her. I can't wait to meet her. That's a great point. You know, one door closed. Not only a new door opened with a new business opportunity, but uh, the love of your life walked in uh, uh, to you and – What's that worth? I mean, Casper, as you know already, that's invaluable. Finding a significant other uh, to share, you know, your vision and your dreams with. Uh, and I think you're right. Um, if you'd have stayed in baseball, uh, that person probably would not have come into your life. There is a reason for everything. You know, can I tell you something, Casper? Of all the people that I've coached, twenty five hundred. And I, I'm not trying to blow smoke uh, up up <laughs> your pant leg here. Uh, yeah. I, I I will tell you, you have been the most positive person in some really negative situations under some serious negative conditions. And uh, I think the average person could have really lost it, gone off the deep end. You remain positive. You kept your future in check in front of you. And, man, I, I'm really proud of you. I couldn't wait to have you as a guest on the show. And I, I want to keep having you back on the show and follow your progress with this company. I'm here to help you with this company in whatever way I can. And hopefully a little introduction of a, uh, of a company that's interested in uh, uh, retired athletes. Uh, hopefully that'll bring uh, some positivity to you. But... I'm really excited about this new chapters in your life with your significant other, with your new business partner, and you're going to help other people reinvent themselves. And I, I think that's admirable. And you're going to, I know you, you're going to do this in a win, win scenario in a real positive scenario. If you could give any advice to someone listening that wants a professional sports career, what advice would you give them? I would say, you know, make sure you establish a work ethic and, and pride yourself in, in working hard every day towards attaining a goal. Um, your goal ultimately is to play in the big leagues, as was mine. I had pictures of Ken Griffey Jr. in my room growing up. 
I aspire to be like Ben Griffey Jr. Um, tell a little bit short, <laughs> just a little bit, but you know, having that mindset and working hard is going to help separate you. And but if I'm working hard, it's not. It's working in a smart way, making sure that instead of being home playing video games, there's so many distractions nowadays with cell phones and video games. Make sure that you put your work in before. I'm not saying not have fun with your friends and do things, but I just recall when I come home, when I was younger, growing up and playing video games with my friends, my dad would come home from work and he'd be like, do you work out today? I think Roger Clemens is sitting here playing video games. <laughs> Those are just some of the things, some of the things I had to deal with with a from a football minded uh father who kind of instilled some of those some of those traits to me and i think another important trait um to have is just again like you touched on is having that positive attitude you know positive attitude um is something that you need to always have in a game that's going to be negative you know you're going to get out 70 percent of the time and you can still be a hall of famer you want to make sure that you take positives from every at bat and learn from any situation whether you're on the mound or at the plate in the field everything is a learning experience and you got to be you got to be positive with a learning curve in order to uh in order to improve from those situations and make yourself the best athlete that you can be you know one of the things uh one of the first things i said to when when you and i got together was as we went through the different arenas of your life you are so much more than a baseball player. And you know what? You, you are a living testament to that. You are so much more than a baseball player. You were. You still are. You're an awesome soul having some interesting, exciting human experiences. And, and Casper, the Jim Fannin Show, uh, we're pulling for you to take this company to the highest level because we know you, with your passion – and your experience and your knowledge and with your partner's knowledge and experience that you're going to help so many people make this transition in reinventing their entire life. And um, I think that's pretty admirable, and hopefully you can make a buck doing it. Uh, and, and definitely uh, I, I'm excited uh, about your upcoming wedding uh, that's going to happen in the near future. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Thank you so much for being on the Jim Fannin Show. Without a doubt, you're one of my favorite clients, and you and I have spent a lot of time on the phone, and uh, I'm really excited about what you're doing and how you're going about it. Jim, really appreciate the opportunity to come on here, and I also appreciate the kind words. Got got uh, teared up a little bit when you started talking about how positive I am in some of those uh, dark times, and you know, I think that's what helps drive me into helping some of these future players. I know that feeling of kind of almost hopelessness and kind of dark and what's next and, and, you know, and, and all you know is baseball and what, what am I going to do besides playing baseball? And that can relate to all sports and all, if I could do anything to help those guys not experience that, not have to go through that, um, then, then that I'm doing my job and, and, and I'll be, uh, no, I'll be I'll be happy just doing that for for any athlete I can help out. Well, I, I'm going to volunteer that uh, you know we we got to get you a whole bunch of uh, my new book, The Blueprint, and you can give that to your. Uh, I, I know you know the score system well, and that book, please give that to any of your prospects coming up, and I, I know you'll be able to put them on a, a positive path. And uh, 
uh, you'll be saying the same thing I did. You're so much more than a baseball player. And uh, to help other people reinvent themselves and have the best, genuine, authentic life possible. Casper, you're always welcome on the Jim Fannin Show. I hope you know that. And stay in touch with us and keep us up to, up to speed on what's happening. And when the show is over uh, today, uh, I'm going to call you and uh, hook you up with this company, which I think is going to help, uh, help some of your prospects. Oh, Jim, awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate everything. Stay in the zone. Stay in the zone. I know you will. And I can't wait to meet your fiance. Stay in the zone, Casper. If you wear contact lenses and you find yourself dreading that annual appointment to renew your prescription, you're going to love Simple Contacts. It's a great new company that makes this annoying process very, very simple. Simple Contact. It lets you renew your expired contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from your phone or computer in minutes. Simple Contacts brings the doctor's office to wherever you are, whenever you need it. You can take the Simple Contacts vision test online, five minutes, that's all it takes. A real doctor is going to review and renew your prescription. You're going to save time, save money, and you're going to save yourself a lot of headaches. And if you have an unexpired prescription, just upload a photo of it on, on your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. This is vision care for the 21st century. To save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com forward slash F-A-N-N-I-N. Or you can just enter the code F-A-N-N-I-N at checkout. And I want to mention, this isn't a replacement for your periodic eye uh, health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is by far the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't been changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts. Get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com forward slash F-A-N-N-I-N or just enter the code F-A-N-N-I-N at checkout. Give it a try. You'll thank me later. I got to stop talking about how I tear up on the show because I don't do it every time, but I, we're having Stop a- it, Seth. <laughs> stop <laughs> crying, you big baby. <laughs> we're having a little bit of a tearful month here in the best possible way. Wow. I mean, you know, when we said if you felt like you got the wind knocked out of you in 2018, that'll help you get back up. Uh, Casper Wells uh, walked right up to the edge of of a giant crevice uh, of potential despair, despondency, um, hopelessness, as he said. But, you know, what got him to the major leagues to begin with was his will, uh, his positivity, and I, I'm so excited for him because he's so much more. This is an awesome human being. This guy is so much more than a major league baseball player. And I, I wouldn't care if he was Hall of Famer. He's more than that. Uh, he's an awesome soul. And uh, whichever clients come his way, uh, people trying to make a transition into another life, they're in good hands. This guy's been there, done that, gets it. Uh, and he will help you. 
So uh, check out uh, Casper Wells, his new company. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to having him back on the show. And I believe it's time to check out who's in the zone. You ready for this? I am so ready because there's a lot of people in the zone. That purposeful, <laughs> calm feeling where nothing can go wrong. Do you mind if I bring up Steph Curry? What is up? This guy, nine three-pointers, broke Ray Allen's record for the finals. He was just raining threes. The Cavaliers didn't know what hit him. The one he made at the end of the third quarter was a rain, a rainmaker. It, it, I can't believe it didn't rain inside the arena. Uh, that thing was one of the higher three-point arcs uh, that you could possibly see. But he did it with no rush, seemingly no hurry, although it was hurried. That last second shot, I mean, that there's certainly some urgency there, but he looked so cool and calm. And if he didn't get to see the game, this is one of those times that even if you're not the world's biggest basketball fan, you got to see this shot because it was art. It was definitely art. And the other thing, you know, if you notice Steph Curry, he's always playing with his mouth guard. He's always uh, flipping it in his mouth. It's falling out of his mouth. Uh, you cannot be in the zone without your jaw unhinged. Watch Steph Curry. You will see that. When that jaw is unhinged, this guy is locked in. And at that point, it's just flowing energy, positive energy. And uh, with his skill set as one of, uh, one of, if not the greatest shooter in NBA history, uh, this guy's definitely got touch. And the other thing I noticed, you know, he's not only raining threes, but this guy's penetrating the lane, driving either hand with a lot of uh, power and touch. Uh, what a great performance. So, uh, you know, by the time the show airs, uh, hopefully for him, he'll be on his way to MVP of the finals. But you cannot ever, ever count out the one zone performer, and that's LeBron James. Uh, he's got to, he's, he's putting his entire organization on his back. He has been. If you look at what he's done with this team, and this is not his best team that he's played on. Um, all the challenges the Cavaliers have had, this is an amazing zone season for LeBron James. And again, we can't count him out. It doesn't matter if they're down 3-0, whatever, the, whatever they're down, it doesn't matter until it's over. It ain't over with a zone performer like LeBron James. But I, I got to tell you, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, uh, Draymond Green, and and the supporting cast that's pretty exemplary. Uh, this is a high octane offense, and and a changing, penetrating, attacking defense. <laughs> I'm not sure how LeBron James, in his best, is going to be able to overcome this. So, Seth Curry, you're in the zone. And, you know, we saw that with the Houston Rockets. If they shut down two of those big four, <laughs> the other two just kind of flared up. It was like trying to put out a forest fire. So who else is in the zone? Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and hop over to baseball here, and I, I want you to speak into this because we had an almost no-hitter on Sunday. Michael Waka, who's 
uh, struggled with some injuries in the past. Uh, had a an, a one hitter, uh, which is is fantastic. It's not quite a no hitter, but I just wanted to read the quote from his um from his, his coach Mike Matheny here. He smelled it. He had it in its in his sights. Uh, it was a clinic on how to pitch. He's tough minded and able to eliminate some of the distractions or the doubt or whatever starts to creep into guys' minds when they start flirting with something very very unique. And you know you you uh, I thought this was a good moment to highlight when you're in the zone. When you know you're in the zone, you're not in anymore, and you have to you have to reboot because, uh, you know the intensity over three hours to pull off something like a one hitter. Well, is, and, and 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 it becomes a little bit worse than that when you you know the one thing you notice as a pitcher, and I've coached first of all, I've coached Mike Matheny as a player, uh, who's now the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, and I've coached uh, someone who's thrown a no hitter. But when you're the pitcher and you look around and you're alone and everybody in the dugout is on the opposite end of the dugout, you are aware that something special is going to happen. And that's when you do need to shut your eyes, unhinge your jaw, and turn your brain off. Just turn your brain off. You need to trust that what you have is enough. You don't need one extra thought. Now, I had a buddy of mine who played in the major leagues he texted me, said, hey, you better check out the, this game. And so I turned it on in the ninth inning to watch this no-hitter. And, of course, he gave up a solid, solid hit right off the bat. Um, I think the catcher needs to take a lot of credit for that one-hitter. The catcher may or may not have been able to brought a no-hitter uh, because there needs to be a purposeful calm and you're not throwing to the hitter. You need to be throwing through the target, a dime-sized target, as if the hitter's not there. And I believe he was doing that for eight solid innings. He was just throwing to dime-sized targets with late-breaking, really nasty stuff. And then I, I believe, as I watched it, that he was throwing to the hitter. That's different than throwing through the hitter, through a target, as if the hitter's not there. Uh, nobody wants to be no hit. No hitting uh, <laughs> no lineup team, yeah. wants to be no hit. I mean, it's the ultimate put down, shut down, uh, clamp down. So um, he still threw a one hitter, awesome game. Uh, he now knows he can pitch a, a, a no hitter. Hopefully he won't try. He'll just let it happen. I, I think the other thing that we're going to see, you're only as great as the game after greatness. So we'll see how he does in the next game and see if he still has that solid mentality of pitching through the targets, and we'll see what happens. I've seen a lot of no-hitters, near-no-hitters, even four home runs in one game, and then the next game totally bombed out. Uh, because everybody wants to talk about it. And everybody has talked about this particular almost no-no. So uh, you're only as great as the game after greatness. I'm looking forward to see how he comes back and maybe throws a no-hitter this time. I, I want to switch uh, sports here, and we're going to talk about the French Open. But before we actually talk about who was in the zone, uh, Jim, this is a, a different kind of tournament. You know, This was your your pro sport. Why does the French Open seem to have this uh, this quality that drives people crazy? Well, 
I, if, first of all, coaching Adriano Panadu won the French Open in 76, coaching Victor Pecci against Bjorn Borg, and I help my memory, I think it was 1980 uh, when that happened, uh, lost in the finals. Uh, I've coached at the French many times with success. This is the toughest tournament to win. And when I see someone like uh, a Chris Everett, a Bjorn Borg, Rafa Nadal win this tournament so many times, and what Rafa Nadal has done is shocking. This is slow red clay in the spring, approaching summer. Uh, in the summer, uh, it can be cold and rainy in Paris at that time, and I, I've been in many cold, rainy situations at Roland Garros, the suburb outside of Paris, but the clay is very slow. What does that mean? That means you better have all the patience in your life needs to come to the forefront to win the French uh, because someone fast, quick, with endurance, mentally and physically, on the other side of the net can run down all those shots that on a hard court like Wimbledon, a grass court that's very quick, or at the U.S. Open on a hard court or at the Australian Open, the balls that were winners are not winners on a slow red clay uh, in Paris. This is a mental test and a physical test simultaneously. You need mental endurance, physical endurance, to just win a couple of rounds at the French. Now, to win it over two weeks, uh, when you're done winning the French, you're going to be mentally wasted. There's no doubt. You're going to need some recovery time to get those energy stores mentally and physically back up. Uh, so if you won the French Open, man, I'm bowing down. That's uh, one of the toughest feats in sports. Uh, and again, it's because of the surface and uh, the time of year. Uh, and then there's some great clay court players, there really are, that know how to slide, uh, know how to play great defense, and can keep you out there for hours and hours and hours. That's just for one match. And let's get into a specific here. Caroline uh, Wozniacki, ranked number two. It was actually unseated by a pretty young player, Daria. I actually just watched this on YouTube to make sure I got it right. I'm not sure I am. Kaza Takani, who's Russian. Uh, she got up, you know, 21 year old, pretty new to the tour, and uh, n- the number two seed fell. Uh, and so you you can't ever assume that just because there's a number by your name that you got it. Well, you can't, and definitely uh, at a tournament like like the French, you got to come into this tournament physically fit. This is a very physically demanding tournament for two weeks, uh, so you need to be physically fit. Uh, the other thing about the Pro Tennis Tour that a lot of people don't realize, if I win the French Open, I get X amount of points uh, that go into building my ranking. The next year, I need to match those points or my ranking actually can drop. The other thing about a major, there's a lot of distractions. You need to learn how to hide in a crowd. Those distractions are sponsors endorsers, potentially new sponsors and endorsers. You got your agent there. You got your entourage there. You need to be alone in a crowd and really sequester yourself mentally, physically, 
to prepare for a real arduous tournament. Uh, so I love the upsets. I hate it when one of my players is upset. That, that, <laughs> it's not fun, and that has happened to me in my career. But, wow, I, I would say to the young Russian player, you're only as great as the match after greatness. So she needs to hit a high standard going into her next match. We also had Serena at a pectoral injury uh, going up against Sharapova, uh, who she's beaten a zillion times. That was really people were looking forward to that matchup, thinking, well, maybe Sharapova has a shot. Uh, She now gets a walkover, a free ride to the next round. Uh, But Serena had a cryptic message. It basically, I'll be back. (laughs) And uh, she she will come back with a vengeance. I I believe she will be ready for Wimbledon uh, coming up in a few weeks. And let me just throw one more question at you before we switch arenas here on who's in the zone. Uh, There seems to be something when you get a buy that is in some ways tough to get over. Uh, You know, I I think about uh, in particular baseball when a team, you know, wins, locks down the division, finishes early, and they can coast. A lot of times, if they've had a couple days off, they go in the next round of playoffs or whatever, they don't they don't look as good. You'd think they had more rest, they're in better shape, and it often works against them. Well, I think, uh, I, I think that rest period allows you to overthink, think too much. You know, you've you got idle time. Uh, you've got an extra day, an extra two days. Uh, yes, you're going to go out and practice. But what are you doing the rest of the time? So sometimes it's better when the situation uh, gives you no time to think, and now you can operate on an intuitive level. You won't get in your own way. You won't try too hard. You won't try too little. Uh, Everybody's trying to find that balance, to find that zone uh, that we talk about on our show every single week, that purposeful calm where nothing can go wrong. But it's easy to lessen your discipline, to get your concentration broken. It's easy to have a seed of doubt. Maybe a couple of people on your team made a couple of observations. Maybe they were right. Maybe it was the best thing. But that little seed went into your brain, uh, and if you've got a lot of idle time, that seed can definitely bloom into something that you really don't want. Uh, you need to go into these matches with your mind very clear, a very clear strategy, very clear tactics, and ready to make an adjustment. The one thing about the slow red clay uh, in, in Paris, if you don't know how to adjust, you're not going to win this tournament. This is a tournament of adjustment. You're going to have a few nicks, a couple of little sore places, Uh, You could have uh, all kinds of blister on your hand. There's physical challenge, but I think there's even more mental challenges. So um, idle idle time can uh, get your brain to think stuff you shouldn't be thinking, and that you can get in your own way. It's easy to do. So you, uh, and of course, you can't always, or if if you're parenting the summer, you got kids playing sports, you can't always control when you get that downtime. So really the key there, uh, I think I hear you saying is, Reboot and think about nothing. I mean, sit well, by the pool, I, see a movie, read a book. You know, I yeah. see this all the time. I see parents giving too much information to their kids. And the, if you looked at the information on its face value, you go, okay, that's pretty good advice. But too much advice is 
you know, that's not what's needed. And coaches who get paid a lot are paid to tell you what to do. And so I've seen a lot of coaches overcoach. Less is more once you get to a major championship, once you get to an NBA Finals, once you get to a World Series. Whatever brought you to that dance, that's it. What you got's enough. You don't need more. You probably need less. And uh, you need to be able to manage your mindset and stay locked into the moment. And your team, whoever that team is, could be a, a wife, could be fiance, could could be a, a girlfriend, or, or it could just be coaches and other people on your team. Maybe you got a mental guy, mental gal on your team. But uh, less is more. That's the bottom line of this. Think less, you'll produce more. And in the score system, a lot of... Uh different elements in those different athletic performances, but a lot of self-discipline concentration. If we can look at a little optimism as we look at some TV in the zone, uh, something has been accomplished here that, that we haven't seen before. And that is that three producers actually went to the stars of the original 1984 movie, the karate kid, uh, which, you know, I, I happened to be at that age where that was a really important movie in my life. And uh, they convinced the the two original stars. Do, do you have karate moves? I didn't uh, even I, know that. I, wow, you know, I did not know that. I have karate views. Wh- I viewed it very many oh, times. Karate views, <laughs> not moves. All right, I, I didn't know that. I need to be careful with you. Yeah, well, of course, uh, you know, if you've seen the movie, and a lot of us have, because it's kind of one of those American pieces of pop culture that's endured, right? Uh, Ralph Macchio and then uh, William Zabka, who played Daniel and Johnny, the uh, foes who square off in the karate tournament have been very careful with that uh, legacy that they don't want it kind of ruined. Uh, and yet some producers came to him and said, we think that maybe we could pick this up with you as adults and where you went after you were these kind of athletic phenomenons. And, you know, they'd said no 99 times. And the hundredth time, uh, these, these three producers put this vision in front of them and said, we're going to put it on YouTube red. Uh, so, you know, the way TV's changing is delivered. And these guys who have said no to everybody for 30 years for doing something like this said yes. Uh, you know, YouTube doesn't release the exact number, but we know millions and millions and millions of people have watched this. And the new show starring these two, Cobra Kai, has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's getting a second season. I suspect that the uh, stars of the show uh, are getting a piece of the action and getting a little taste of, <laughs> uh, of the gate uh, of what's going on. That is a new phenomenon in the television uh, landscape right now. Uh, I've never seen so many TV shows on Hulu and Netflix, and it's a phenomenon, and they're good. They're really good. And so YouTube, uh, you know, as I'm watching their advertising, wait a minute, so I don't need cable? Yeah, I, I, I can I can get rid of my cable bill. I you know I can just go to YouTube and watch the NBA Finals, and it's pretty amazing how uh, and behind the scenes, how many people are jostling for control of this new uh, landscape behind the scenes. I'm talking producers. I'm talking studios. Uh, I'm talking even networks. So. Uh, yeah, Karate Kid. What's the, what's the new one called? Cobra Kai. And I, I'm just going to, can I sprinkle in something here? We do have a coaching show coming up in a couple of weeks. So I think we'll, we'll talk more about, uh, you know, what happens when you have to go in and uh, get somebody to say yes that said no 99 times. That's going to be like its own show. 
but we are definitely going to get into that. And uh, finally, for who's in the zone, you, a little bit of positive news and who's in the zone together. Some feel good news. Apple had one of their major conferences yesterday, and uh, they announced that there's going to be controls on the new version of um, iOS, their operating system for for the iPhone. That's going to tell you basically how much time you've wasted. And so it's going to say, hey, you've been on Instagram for 30 minutes now. Do you want to go do something not on your phone? Uh, I, I think this is a, a fantastic feature. Well, I think it is a fantastic feature. How many people will turn it off, however, is, an, <laughs> is, an, is another question. And and what and the Apple's coming up with the iPhone 12, am I right? Uh, it, well, it's coming up. They they haven't announced what they're going to be. They're, you know, they're coming out with new ones in September. Uh, we definitely know that. And that was something I wanted to ask you because you've coached so much, you know, in the business and specifically you've coached in technology. I think that a lot of people in business look at the gigantic competitor and say, well, if only I had all the money and all the R&D and everything, it would be so easy, you know, to win. And in reality, the more resources you have, the more focus you have to have. And I think that's actually what one of the most impressive things about Apple coming back from the precipice of not existing as a company is that they are able to stay focused. And, uh, you know, some years are a little better than the others, uh, but they're able to stay focused and they meet their deadlines every year uh, and they come out with new products every year. And that is not if, you know, if you haven't led an organization like that, if you haven't led a division like that, that doesn't just happen on its own. Well, I think also they have tremendous passion uh, for what their developers think. And that's really the, the purpose of this last conference was a developer conference. But they care what the developer thinks. They care what you and I think and, and everyone else that has an iPhone. They really care how you think how you operate, I think they listen to their customers, and I think they ask great questions. And because of that, uh, their product has evolved with the mindset of the culture, of the people. And um, I, I remember uh, going to Ukraine right when Ukraine really had broken away from Russia in the 80s, and Apple computers sent me over there, wanted to be a part of the new Ukraine. Um, but in my discussion with Apple, they were more concerned about what the people wanted and what, how the people thought. Now, that's decades ago, and I think they still have that. I think once you start making a lot of money, it's easy to forget what got you, brought you to the dance to begin with, and that's really what people think and what people feel and what people need. And Apple... Um, has learned what people need because they ask the great questions. So to have a device that's going to tell you not to use the device is pretty amazing when you think about it. Let's create this app on our phone that will show you how not to use our phone so you can have a zone life. Who does that? Absolutely. And, you know, at the uh, when we talk about the, the um, comparisons between business and sports, right, your career in sports, your career in hobby, those run closer than you think, because this really is. Uh, and whatever you do for a living, you, you have it too in your job. There, I would say there is a playoffs in every job, right? Where you really find out who can execute on the basics. And for Apple, you know, we're going into it right now. It's like you're ready for new products. And when you say something's going to ship, you ship it when you say you're going to ship it. And, and I think a lot of uh, companies don't think the whole service aspect of their business. Don't think it through. Nothing will upset you than 
not getting your product on time uh, or getting it wrong when you do receive it. And, and Apple's very in tune with that. Um, reinvention. That's the name of the show. If you have that inkling that you might need to reinvent you, and if you think, wow, what, what are my takeaways from this show? One of them is to deal from strength. What are you not only good at, what are you good at that you could be great at? Or what are you great at? What, what are your strengths? What, what are your assets? You know, we got the French Open. We got Wimbledon coming up. We got the U.S. Open and golf coming up. Every single competitor that I've coached, we go into these major events dealing from strength. So take your strengths right now. If you think, I'm ready for a change in my life, find out what you do well. Focus more on that. Hone that. Become an expert at those strengths. Money and opportunity will find you. And so many times we leave our strengths and think we need distribution or we need more money. I need to go out and raise capital. A lot of people go that route, and I understand that. And, I, and those things may or may not be needed. But the one thing guaranteed that's needed, what is your core business? And what do you do awesome? What separates you from everyone else? And this is how a small company can go up against Goliath and bring him to his knees. This is how you do it. But you need to deal from strength. So if you're looking to make a change right now, write down what you do awesome on a sheet of paper and understand it and then create a plan on leveraging that and magnifying and amplifying those strengths. Deal from strength. That's what's going to take you to another level. And dealing from your strengths and your passion, that's, what, that's what's going to help you reinvent yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, if, if I can speak to that, having been in the, those what am I going to do next reinventions, you know, you've, we've said it on so many episodes, but I think it's worth stating here again. You find your strengths and you execute on the basics, you know, because to, to make a, uh, a comparison to the NBA playoffs, too many teams and then too many people when they need reinvention are looking for that 20-point you know, shot on, on the court, and there isn't one. It is doing what you do well, and you show up, and you do it every day, and you don't get distracted. Uh, the person that executes the basics, when the money's on the table, picks up the money. And it's going to come down to basics in every sport and every business. What are the essence of your craft? What do you do? And then it's going to come back to you of, what do I do well? And if there's something you don't do well that's been missing, well, my take on that and what I've done, I've hired someone. I, I brought someone else in uh, that can fill the void of something I may not like to do or maybe I just don't do it very well. Uh, trying to be all thanks to all people uh, and start, starting a company a lot of entrepreneurs start off like that, but they find when they want to now broaden their market, their market share, uh, you have to drop that entrepreneurial mindset and bring in a team 
that can really deliver the goods. And I, I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs, that's where they uh, fall off the wayside. So reinvention's one thing, but uh, it's, a, it's an ongoing process of reinvention. And of course, if you know you need to make a change, you know you need to do this, uh, step one is no, you need to make a change. But step number two is you need a written blueprint on paper that you go back to because, uh, you know, what's in your head is often swayed a little bit by what's in your emotions. And it's easy to forget what your once well-defined goals were altogether unless they're written down. There is no better way to do that than to make sure that you check out Jim's book um, right now. You can go to amazon.com and search Jim Fan in the blueprint, F-A-N-N-I-N, uh, local bookstores, Jim Fan in the blueprint. This is, you know, it's a book you can read cover to cover uh, straight through, but this is also a, a reference book to go back and keep checking yourself uh, as you march towards those well-defined goals and aspirations. Uh, keep it on your desk and keep going back to it. That's how it's going to work the best. Yeah, nothing great happens without a blueprint, and that includes someone's life. I think it's time for a little bit of mailbag. You good for this? Oh, I'm I'm ready. I'm fired up <laughs> for the. Uh, uh, and by the way, Jim never has any idea what these are going to be, so I, I love uh, that aspect of it. You can send your uh, question to ask Jim at jimfannon.com. That's ask Jim at jimfannon.com. And we do have a coaching show coming up where uh, we're actually just going to um, do. You know, we did one of these uh, last quarter. We're going to just uh, coach some people who want to get over some obstacles and move towards some goals. And I'm excited about that. Hey, well, well, hold on. Yeah, now, if yeah. someone wants to be on that show, uh, email us. Email at askjim at jimfannon.com. And uh, we're, it, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and make some things happen. This is uh, actually one of my favorite parts of what you do is when you, you, you just do it right off the cuff. Uh, askjim at jimfannon.com. If you would uh, like to uh, you know, step out and join us uh, and have us call you and be coached coming up here later on in June. Uh, getting into this week's question... Hey, Jim, I'm coaching a third grade baseball team, and some of these kids are really excited about the sport, and some of them are playing baseball because their friends are playing baseball. How do I communicate a common vision at this, at this age level? Uh, that's a great question, and uh, I could probably spend a couple of hours on this one. I, I think it's showcasing just some basics. Uh, there's nothing more pleasurable than hitting a baseball solid with an accelerated bat head. And that's tracking the ball and watching the ball into the heart and core uh, of the bat. Uh, Getting all the players on the team to really focus on watching the ball more than actually how to execute a perfect major league swing. Uh, That's playing the game. That's what's fun. And, Contact can be made uh, with not the best swing in the world. Now, now to hit it out of the park, obviously, uh, the swing's designed for power and consistency. But I would focus really on watching the ball. And the other thing is watching the ball on defense, making sure that everybody's ready because there's two sides of this. Uh, There's the offensive side, which is fun, and then there's the defensive side. And and I, I really believe the other part is making sure that everybody on your team is fired up about everybody on your team and that we're all in this together and we're going to pick up somebody that struck out. We're going to pick up somebody that uh, made an error in the field 
and it's all for one and one for all. And I think that mindset, you know, the zone is so contagious. And one person can really uh, disrupt a zone state. And so if I was coaching a third or fourth grade baseball team, I would want to make sure it's all for one and one for all. And I would start every practice like that as a team, maybe holding hands, and I'd end every practice holding hands. We're better together than apart, and we're more than just one person on that team or one star on that team. Everybody is an integral part of something greater than themselves. That's a great lesson to learn. They'll be able to take that forward when they run their own company. And, of course, we always go out on uh, the, the same closing piece here on the Jim Fannin Show. Jim, I, you might be surprised to learn this, but it turns out that um, every coach I ever had was right about something. And that's what I was thinking about with uh, checking your score levels this week. So it's nicer outside, finally, in the, uh, you know, the upper Midwest, Chicago land area here. And I just got hit with some nasty back pain. I was like, man, what is going on? You know, carrying a little laundry is bothering me. And then it hit me that uh, I, I enjoy running and warmer, kind of keep pushing my running a little further. And also I'm in a hurry, so I'm not stretching. And uh, then it hit me, hey, dummy, your calves are too tight. They're pulling, you know, they're messing up your hamstrings. Your hamstrings are too tight. They're messing up your lower back. Uh, and, you know, I just had to get my physical body back in balance. And, I, you know, I couldn't just ignore it and be like, oh, well, it'll get better on its own. Same thing with your score level. When these five elements are balanced, that's when you're hitting peak performance and you need to keep an eye on them so that they don't, you know, kind of wrench your whole system out of whack. And these five elements make up your overall attitude. Uh, they also trigger individual chemicals into, into your bloodstream, chemicals that are manufactured in your body uh, for performance. And these chemicals range from uh, cortisol, glycogen, serotonin, uh, dopamine, adrenaline. I mean, it's, it's a chemical cocktail that once it flows into the bloodstream, your eyes can double, triple shutter speed, giving you an illusion. Everything's in slow motion. The baseball looks bigger. The basket you're aiming at on, on the court looks bigger. A cup in golf looks, instead of two and a half times the size of a golf ball, it may look four and a half times the size of a golf ball. So you have this feeling that nothing can go wrong. Uh, intuition takes over when these five ingredients are at their highest. Uh, and intuition has the ability to look around corners, look in advance, see what's coming up. It's real-time information that a conscious mind doesn't possess. So right now, get in your car on the road of life. Kick out the victim and the judge now. Make sure the champion's driving. But you want to look at your own life, and you can target one aspect of your life that's on you or you can just do your life in general we're cooking up five ingredients five meals and you're only strong as the weakest link so what do you need do you need self-discipline that's a blueprint and it's more than a blueprint it's a willingness and commitment to stay with the task to manifest that blueprint into its physical uh, being do you need self-discipline do you need a plan? And if that's what you need, you stop right there, take it with you, and then go execute that plan once you've created it. But maybe maybe you have a plan, but maybe you're not focused. And I, I found that if you have a lot of talent, uh, you're very, very smart, a high IQ, 
you may have too many options. There may be too many paths that you can go down because, because you're awesome, because you got so much, uh, so much opportunity. And the best in the world put on blinders, you know, one thing at a time. Uh, you know, we had Casper Wells on this show. Well, starting a new business, most new businesses, they will fail in the first 12 to 24 months of that business. So what would my advice be to Casper? Focus on the basics of your business and get some concentration, put on the blinders. And I like what he said. He said, we're going to focus on what I know well, baseball. Yes, he could go into other sports. He's focused on baseball. And I think that's great. So concentration something that he has, but maybe that's something you need. But maybe you need some optimism. We cooking up some op- optimism in, in the back? <laughs> the optimism is being cooked up in the kitchen. We got it for you if that's a- And you that's need. a big slab of it. That's belief, expectancy, and a sense of knowing that what you got's enough and, and that the plan, once it's executed, it will deliver the goods. And if you need some optimism to shed those doubts and the fears that you have in your life, well, optimism is something that take with you right now. But optimism is going to give you an I am, I will, uh, affirmations directed to whatever the challenge is. You'll have those thoughts with more prevalence. But maybe maybe you've got a plan. Maybe, maybe you are focused, but maybe you're trying too hard. You might need to relax, and we got a cool drink in the back. Uh, Seth is always making a mixture of uh, the serotonin drink for relaxation, this just completely gets rid of worry, anxiety, fear. Get your breathing down to six to eight breaths. You'll stop trying too hard, and you'll definitely start o- stop overthinking, getting in your own way. Do you need relaxation? Because if you do, take a deep breath, unhinge your jaw. We've got it. You just need to be aware that you need it, and the awareness of this fixes it. of the time. And before we get to the last ingredient that you might or might not need, you're only as strong as the weakest link in S-C-O-R-E, score. But maybe, maybe you need our happy meal. I know Seth's whistling and and got a little bounce in his step when you're cooking that up in the back. Dopamine, adrenaline, it just puts a smile on your face. A little bounce in your step, a little pep in your step, if you will. So if you need a little more passion, a little more enthusiasm, a little more zeal for uh, the daily routines that you need, uh, smile right now because you can have our Happy Meal. So S-C-O-R-E. It makes up your overall attitude about anything in your life. What do you need, Seth? You know, for the next 48 hours, I'm going to go with concentration. I think that's really, really key for the next two days. And then, you know what? Kind of pop out and get a little more into relaxation and enjoyment. And that's just what my week looks like. What about you? I'm going to go to self-discipline. I'm very disciplined. Um, I've had more opportunities coming to me, uh, an unusual amount of opportunities. And I, I feel blessed to have those opportunities. But those can also be huge distractions, you know, uh, hopefully they're not just the shiny dime. 
And I think some of these opportunities I have have teeth and a lot of merit, and I can see me doing it. Uh, but it's easy to bite off more than you can chew. We've all been down that road. So right now, I'm looking for more discipline, which is also going to trigger my concentration. So I'll put those blinders on. But I need the discipline to stay uh, uh, with the plan that I already have uh, so that I'm not distracted by these opportunities. Self-discipline is something I'm going to work on the next few days. And don't forget, you can come back to the Zone Cafe. Different day of the week, different arena of your life. It could be at work, you need one thing, in your relationship, you need another thing. Uh, you know, when you, you get out and get a little bit of uh, time on the golf course, you need something else. You can come back to this same menu every single, uh, every single day, multiple times a day, and just be checking on your score levels. The other thing, as a reminder, one more time, uh, you know, your score levels help you drive towards those well-defined goals and aspirations, and you got to have a plan on what those are. And, and, don't, and don't forget, when you're S-C-O-R-E level, they're all at a high level. That purposeful, calm feeling of the zone, it arrives. You don't go to the zone. You attract the zone with a high-level, balanced mindset. And uh, once you're in the zone, uh, your full talent will surface. This show today is about reinvention. And it could be a reinvention on one aspect of your life, or maybe you're like, you wake up and go, I want to reinvent everything. I need a renaissance, a rebirth. And that's what uh, Casper Wells did. So if you're looking for some tools, some tips, maybe some techniques, uh, ask Jim at jimfannon.com. Uh, I'll give you a response. And maybe you'd like to be coached in how to turn your reinvention into something very concrete. We'd love to have you on there. Uh, there's no rules of whatever you want to do. Uh, send us an email, uh, either whether you want reinvention on the air or if you just want some advice. I'd love to help you be your genuine, authentic best self. Seth, have an awesome zone week. Everybody, be in the zone. It's the only place to be. Until next week, I'm Jim Fannin. And my name is Seth Hurd, Jim's uh, producer and sidekick here on the Jim Fannin Show. Stay in the zone. I'm Tracy Beans, host of the new podcast, Dark to Light, with Frank and Beans on Radio Influence. It's a new show about politics, but not the way you're used to. What we talk about is actually true. And it's also stuff they don't want you to hear. So we bring it to you weekly. All the intrigue and spin and double talk spelled out for you right. With my co-host Frank's special flavor of commentary. Don't miss him. He's an experience. So join us. Dark to Light with Frank and me, Tracy Beans, drops each Friday on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.